Zero. I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. I want to thank you for listening, uh, and I want to especially thank my audiences in New York City and Washington, D.C. on WBAI in New York and WPFW, Jazz and Justice Radio in Washington. And, of course, all anybody else who's listening uh, on uh, the archives via online or uh, perhaps as they catch it, this is a podcast uh, after its uh, initial broadcast. Um, so this month is um, is declared usually by by sitting presidents, um, and I think going all the way back to Nixon, I believe, as National Native American Heritage Month. And uh, indeed, this president, the sitting president, did the same for this month. The question I have is, though, did anybody notice? Um, <laughs> did anything change? I mean, did anybody uh, see any? I, I don't think there were any parades. I'm pretty sure there were no, uh, you know, special broadcasts. Uh, Reggie, tell me this: D Did you see anything special on television or uh, uh, or anything else that kind of acknowledged this? Uh, no, it's uh, the last time I checked. I mean, like, uh, uh, no, I haven't seen anything that distinguished this month as uh, as you have uh, said before. So I guess who knew is the it remains the question. Well, and the funny thing is. <laughs> ABC News at the beginning of the month, I don't know if you caught this, Reggie, but ABC News um, acknowledged the, uh, our special month um, and then went, went about to talk about the recent um, uh, programs that have been aired on some of the streaming services and described this as indigenous creatures um, in I don't know, invading Hollywood or something like that. Anyway, this, this ABC reporter referred referred to Native people as indigenous creatures. Um, I don't. Did you catch any what? of that? No. Yeah. So um, indigenous creatures? creatures. Now she apologized later and said that she meant to say creators. Now, uh, I, you know. Okay. I, I guess I could see I, a slip of the tongue, but you know, after I, I, what we went through with CNN, uh, you know during the 2020 <laughs> election when CNN yeah, decided yeah, yeah, to yeah, categorize yeah, yeah. Native people simply as, uh, under one of their graphics, as just something else. You know, not yeah, black, not white, else. not Latino, not Asian. Uh, just, just, you know, something, something else. Yeah. Um, but there continues to be just a real problem with, with, uh, with Americans identifying, you know, I, for the, the, nobody ever knows what to call us, right? Because we were right. mislabeled from the start. This whole idea, right. you know, right. that uh, Indians uh, and Native people themselves just can't get beyond using this, this, uh, you know, this mislabeling of, of our of our persons. You know, so so it's really difficult. You, you can see, I mean, Native American, American Indian. Um, you know, I I use use the more generic term just native or native people. Um, if I want to get specific, I can use a word in my own language, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but I don't call myself an Indian. I don't refer to myself as a member of a tribe or a band. Any, I mean, if I played music, maybe I would be a part of a band, but I don't consider myself a band as in like a band of monkeys or a tribe as a as a primitive, you know, uh grouping of people. No. But these are labels that that we get saddled with. And we have a hard time, you know, shaking them. And, and, and then we, we almost turn them into our own self-identifiers. I mean, we, we've, we've gone through this with, uh, with mascot issues. I mean, 
the, the debate over the word redskin, whether that's, you know, a legitimate term to refer to Native people as. And, you know, and just like the N-word as a, you know, for black people, there are Native people who have who've taken that word redskin or shortened it and called it skin um, and have used this, um, you know, have used the label. But it still doesn't, just like I'll say, just like with black people, white folks, you still can't use the word. It's, not, it's still not yours. Even if, even if we take ownership of it ourselves, it's, it's still, still ain't yours. So this is kind of the, the, the strange experience that we have in general. So when we get proclaimed a special month, then, then we got to look at the month. And so what's special about November? Well, you got Election Day, which, you know, obviously dominates the news cycle and, and every other conversation. It's still dominating the news cycle since... Uh, you know, since there's still a runoff for the, you know, for one of the Senate seats, you know, the the House just finally flip, uh, was confirmed to flip to the, the Republicans. You got Nancy Pelosi, who's going to step down as the uh, the leader for the uh, uh, for the Democrats in the House. I mean, so you, I mean, the, the politics just dominates the news cycle in November. Then, of course, you get, you get Veterans Day. So, what do we do with Veterans Day? Well, on a good day, they'll combine Veterans Day and Native American Heritage Month. And then continue to per per perpetuate what I can only label as BS, which is this notion that Native people enlist in the armed forces at a higher rate than anybody else because some somehow we are pre uh, genetically predisposed to want to kill people, I guess. Uh, although, although sometimes they'll call it the warrior spirit, that we enlist in the very armed forces that killed our people to somehow fulfill this... I don't know, bloodlust, warrior spirit, whatever you want to call it. I always found that perplexing. Well, I mean, look, we understand why people of color oppress people enlist in the armed forces. Let, let's be right. honest. They do it because right. of poverty. Right. They do it because they're, they're, they're led to believe they're not going to experience the same level of racism in the military as they do in the general, you know, dominant culture, which isn't necessarily true, by the way, but that's what they're led to believe. Uh, mm -hmm. They're led to believe that if they serve with honor, that somehow the honor will translate to how they're treated when they come back in civilian life, which also doesn't happen. Frankly, mm -hmm. white uh, veterans don't get treated uh, with, with much honor when they come back, so, let true. alone Native people and, or black people. So, you know, I've seen a couple of PBS channels that, uh, that have aired stories about Native people enlisting. And, you know, and the one that always gets me is when, when I hear a Native person on one of these programs says, well, we're just defending our land. Well, I'm sorry. If we were defending our land, we'd be, we, we'd be fighting against the United States, not for the United States. The United States has never been attacked. Pearl Harbor notwithstanding, because let's be honest, Pearl Harbor was attacked by the Japanese, and Pearl Harbor was basically an illegal occupation of the Kingdom of Hawaii. So it wasn't the Hawaiian people or the Hawaiian kingdom that was attacked. It was the U.S. military that was building up you know, as a as a an aggressive action towards towards Japan in the first place. Uh, now, I'm not saying that the attack by Japan was justified, but it wasn't an attack on indigenous lands. So when I hear Native people say, "Well, you know, we're we're here defending our land," no, you're not. You went to Vietnam. You went to Korea. You went to you know you went to Europe. You went to Japan. You went to all these other places to to kill for the United States, or you just enlisted and and you you know during. Um, the relatively few times the United States could legitimately say they were at peacetime. Um, and I think there was, you know, in the country's, uh, you know, 200, you know, uh, 30 years of existence, I think they've had a good 23 or 24 years of peacetime. Um, so, they, yeah, they, they had some peacetime. 
out of two hundred and forty years. Yeah, they 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 had some Reggie. They they re- they really did. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, at least that's what I read anyway. I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I you know, I, I guess that uh all I'm saying is that I guess the internal conflicts like uh whatever whatever personal uh genocide or Jim Crow or just name your type of uh uh customized uh form of uh, uh discrimination don't count. No, when you have the National Guard um, attacking people that doesn't count as, uh, as 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 wartime, I guess. Although most of the the conflicts that that Native people experienced uh, is it was was clearly you know a military aggression. It wasn't it wasn't the National Guard that was uh, you know committing these massacres at Sand Creek or at Wounded Knee and or other places. Right. They were so, in plain clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. And and of course we also have what what comes up next week, which is is uh, you know the United States celebrates its Thanksgiving holiday. Now I got to tell you, <laughs> I was offered both by WBAI and WBFW to do a special broadcast on Thanksgiving Day, which I respectfully declined. And now if I have to explain it to anybody, I'm going. I, I'll just explain it. <laughs> Look. Thanksgiving is a is a holiday, although it has been totally clouded with a bunch of BS in terms of happy little pilgrims and happy little Indians. None of that stuff is true. Um, and in fact, the Wampanoag, uh, you know, declare that day as a national day of mourning. Um, in fact, <laughs> in fact, uh, WPFW, they asked me if I want to do a show specifically on that on next Thursday. And I'm thinking, you know what, Americans have your day. You know, do your thing. You know, have your turkey. Sit with your family. And and I'm not, I'm not begrudging any of that, as long as you don't have like p- turkeys with headdresses on and stuff like that. You know, all over your windows. Then, then look, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, the false narrative associated with with Thanksgiving is, again, notwithstanding. But, but the idea of me being on the radio for two hours, you know, uh, on, on you know on Thanksgiving Day. When people are either you know eating or socializing with family or, or watching football, I, I don't expect that that's a great time for somebody to be listening to somebody talking about that day being a national day of mourning. So it just seemed inappropriate to me, you know. And and, and you know, I had done a show in the past where I where I had music, and I'm thinking I don't know that I want to be background music either. So I I respectfully decline, which means mm-hmm. that's just another day. That um, that essentially, I'm I'm not on the air at least not in New York. I'll I'll still do my Friday show, in uh, in in DC, and and uh, but I have to remind people. Look, I do a show every week, and I do this show. Oftentimes it's uh, it's streamed on Facebook. Um, it always goes up as a podcast. Um, sometimes I'm preempted on WBAI for fundraising purposes, and look, you folks in New York, I gotta tell you that one's on you. You know because if you donated. To WBAI during my time segment, then they wouldn't take me off the air, uh, you know, once a month or twice a month or whatever, whatever the the appetite is for WBAI and, and my program. I'm grateful for for the airtime that I have, and don't get me wrong. Um, and and I realize that I'm not the kind of program. I'm not I'm not pitching things all the time on this on this program. So I'm not selling items or, or offering premiums and that kind of stuff. So I realize I'm not a big fundraiser for, for WPFW or for WBA. But, but I appreciate their commitment to providing a native voice because there isn't much of one. 
There isn't much of one in any regard. And, you know, and look, I listened to the news uh, before I came on and the talk about uh, the Cherokee trying to get an, a non-voting seat in Congress because of a treaty, which, you know, the, the difficulty I have with that one, I got to tell you, you know that treaty, Reggie, that they're talking about is the same one that screwed the Cherokees and forced the Trail of Tears, right? I mean, You know, I was just going to ask you if that was going to be, if that was the same exact one, and lo and behold, it is. I, I got to tell you something. You talk about... Lay it on me. National, it on National me. Native American Heritage Month. So one of the schools that, uh, that I've been engaged with over the mascot issue, which is uh, a school called Manuka. It's in Illinois, mm -hmm. Manuka, Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, they have been battling this mascot issue, and they keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And they had this, this group that calls themselves the Guardians, Native American Guardians, who says, no, we don't need to eradicate these mascots. We need edu to educate, not eradicate. So here's what Manuka High School did for, uh, to honor Native American Heritage Month. The first week, they, um, they on their Facebook page, they they did a profile, a, a little bio on Tom Cole, who is a congressman from Oklahoma, Republican, who has never done a damn thing for Native people. He happens to be a card-carrying something. I don't know if he's Chickasaw or Cherokee or whatever else. But, but, but there's nothing that would associate you or him with, with, being, with being Native. But that's who they profiled. The next week, they did a profile on, on Tara Hauska, who was a friend of mine. But they never mentioned that Tara Hauska is one of her, the main issue, one of her big fights that she does. And she's actually one of the founders of Not Your Mascot, the Not Your Mascot, uh, you know, organization. They never mentioned any of her work uh, about being against mascot. They just prop her up as a, a you know, as a, an activist, a, you know, a, a lawyer and, and that kind of stuff. But here's the kicker, the third one. The third one is John Ridge. Now, John Ridge is one of the guys who signed that treaty that we're talking about here. Uh, mm -hmm. that, and he wasn't even an elected official. It was an illegal treaty that he and his father and, and other members of his family, Major Ridge and John Ridge, signed mm -hmm. that would cause the Trail of Tears. And so, so this Manuka High School does a profile on John Ridge. They never mentioned the fact that this Trail of Tears, which took place in like um, 1838, would result in the, the legitimate... Well, uh, the, the people who oppose this, uh, this Trail of Tears and this relocation, this removal, they would actually assassinate. They would, you know, um, execute, I guess, uh, John Ridge and, uh, and the members of his family who were responsible for it. But they left that out. So can you imagine, of all the people to profile on National Native American Heritage Month, it would be one of the guys who signed an unlawful treaty that resulted in the deaths of thousands of Cherokee and... and would become the the infamous foundation for the Trail of Tears. I mean, it just kind of shows you how the the disconnect that so many have in you know on the subject matter. I mean, it's 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 really it's really quite remarkable. I mean, but it, it, yeah, considering that it just seems like it's the equivalent of like going on your favorite search engine and just look put in okay. What person I can find immediately, and they found the first person there, and just like, yeah, let's do that. He seemed like he fits the criteria, and and, and let's build a day around it. And a good Not, American name like John. Wait a minute, what am I talking about? Oh yeah, about? absolutely, talking absolutely, about, no yeah. doubt. Anyway, yeah, but, no uh, doubt. we'll skip over that one. But, <laughs> but, but no, it, it it is. 
I mean, you either have to think that this is just complete um, you know, neglect, unless you somehow can determine that it, that it was somewhat intentional. I mean, you are talking about a school that's using a native mascot in spite of all the evidence that says that you shouldn't use native mascots. We know that native mascots themselves are, you know, are a policy of erasure because it essentially is ignoring who we are. And that is, therein lies part of the problem with, with the, what the special month is. It's Native American Heritage Month. So, again, it's looking back at us. It's not acknowledging who we are. And let's face it, Americans love Native culture. They love the dance. They love the feathers. They love the costumes, the, the regalia. And, you know, they love our culture, the spirituality. They love all that. They don't love it so much when we're blocking a pipeline. Yeah, and, and they don't love it so much when we're, when we're bringing up the stuff that, that really demonstrates the horrors that have been committed, the genocide, mm -hmm. the residential schools. We aren't loved as much when we, when we bring up the, the, the truth of, of the United States. And, you know, so, you know, this, that's the problem. If you're going to name a month and you're going to say, you know, American Her Native American Heritage Month, it's like, let's not acknowledge who they are. Let's, let's acknowledge who they were. And who we were is a creation of, of, of American culture. Right. I mean, look, they, they reinvented who we are. They, they ignore all of the, the atrocities. They ignore all the things, and instead they come up with this Hollywood or this romantic view. Like I said, they'll, they'll code talkers. Look, look how wonderful code talkers are. You know, they don't bring up the fact that many of the code talkers were forced into military service because they happened to have, the, you know, the language skills that the United States was, was trying to eradicate. I mean, this is, I mean, this is the, the hypocrisy of it all. And you know the the hypocritical nature of all of it, all of it. it uh, this is this is kind of what it is. And of course, what else was, uh, was uh, happening this month? The Supreme Court hearing the challenge to the Indian oh, Child Welfare yes, Act. And, yes, and I gotta yes, I gotta yes. give a shout out to Michael G. Haskins yes. uh, in his uh, Living for the City program for having me on yesterday to talk about this this very thing. Now, as I you know said on Michael's show, and as I mentioned on the last week's show, even though I wasn't necessarily on WBI. Um, ICWA is, is a problematic law in the first place because it still mm -hmm. never acknowledges, fully acknowledges native sovereignty. It mentions it. And in fact, the, the Bureau of Indian Affairs and, and a lot of politicians always mention tribal sovereignty, tribal sovereignty. They never define what it is because it isn't. And, and so what ICWA did was it provided guardrails for the child protective services that are operated by the states saying that they had to put a preference in, in placing children that you were taking from their homes and you have to place them in native homes. Now, the federal government doesn't do this. The states still do it. We don't do it. We're not even involved in the process. So what the challenge that's happening now is you got a, a couple of families, like a family in Texas, a rich oil-connected uh, family in Texas, uh, for whatever reason, and, and for... Reggie, if you can explain this one to me, I don't know why white people like like little brown kids. I, I don't I don't know what it is. I, you know, I I don't. You know, it's like, you know, I always feel like it's it's almost like, uh, sentient trinkets or some sort. Like, uh, it's like we can't get a doll. Won't we get something that, you know, that's based off the doll, the real thing? I don't get it. So anyway, you got the, you got this family who decides that, that you know they. Um, they want to uh, 
uh, adopt this this native child. It turns into a bit of a fight. Um, uh, ultimately, and, and this is in Texas now, the, the, the mother of the child um, had any number of problems, including substance abuse problems, and she was a single mother at the time, although I think the, the father was native too. Um, but ultimately, the, the Navajo Nation, who is who the child and, and the mother are uh, um, a part of, uh, agreed with the, with the adoption. Then the mother had another child by, by a different man, and this family wants that one too. So apparently one native child, you know, wasn't enough window dressing for this, uh, for this family. So they wanted another Evidently. one. Um, and so this one turned into a fight because in this one, the Navajo Nation says, no, this child is going with, with her aunt. She's going to be placed with, in a native household. So the family is now challenging this law, Indian Child Welfare Act, on, on two fronts. One saying that the law is unconstitutional because it's an overreach by the federal government interfering with, uh, with state processes and state agencies. Um, and so this is another one of those examples of, of the courts wrestling with state powers over, over federal powers, which, which doesn't bode well, uh, but, but that's one of them. The other thing is the family is claiming discrimination. They're saying that they are being racially discriminated against because white people can't have Indian, child, Indian babies. So they're saying they're being racially discriminated against. And they're saying that the Native children are being discriminated against because they're being deprived the luxury of having white families raise them. The other thing that comes out of this case is, is reducing Native people regardless of all the conversation about sovereignty and, and autonomy and distinction, the federal government doesn't really acknowledge any of that. So this is an attempt to reduce us to a race, that we're just another race of Americans. Now, look, I don't begrudge anybody of, of, of any ethnic background. If, if people subscribe to the whole, whole notion of race, then that's fine. Um, but if you're an American of, of some other ethnic background, and you embrace that American citizenship and, and, and all of that, that's great. But if you're native, even if you've been caught into the crossfire of American citizenship versus your own native distinction, it doesn't mean our distinction goes away. And this is an attempt to have the Supreme Court of the United States, a very conservative court, make a determination that, that we are, are not a distinct people, that we are merely Americans of native descent, just a, a, just a racial group within the, within the United States. Mm. And the significance of that could be incredible. I mean, it could change everything. Look, the, the entire existence of the, of the Bureau of Indian Affairs could be, uh, could be challenged. How do you have a, a bureau that's, that's race-specific? Not to mention that like 90% of the, the employees of the, uh, of the Bureau of Indian Affairs are native. Well, how you can't have that. That's not that's that's racist. I mean, you you could see how this goes. I mean, it could affect everything from gaming to everything else. So, so anyway, this is this is what we get treated with on our special month. We we get to have our very existence as a distinct people, at, at least as recognized by the Supreme Court of the United States. We stand a chance of having that wiped out by a Supreme Court ruling when they when they were hearing testimony for, for that during our special month. Yeah, so I mean, well, you you can't make this stuff well, up, Reggie. This is this is just kind of where we're at. We're we're indigenous creatures. We're something else, um, but apparently <laughs> we're we're just going to be um, reduced to just a, a racial des designation. Um, I, I I I don't know. 
I mean, like I said, you, you can't make this stuff up. This is, it's, it's pretty incredible that they, they do this, this, you know, presidential proclamation and, uh, <laughs> uh, in the, in the midst of all of this, I mean, look, whatever, I mean, here's what I'll also say about ICWA, because, you know, I've talked about the residential schools quite a bit. Mm -hmm, the Indian Child mm -hmm. Welfare Act is actually credited with, with the beginning of the end of residential schools. You know, and this thing was passed during, in 1978 during the Carter administration. I think he signed it into law. By the 80s and the 90s, most residential schools were, 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 were shut down. Um, and the only ones that, that remained were the ones that were on native territories and primarily had some sort of native oversight or some, or, or Bureau of Indian Affairs. Do you know that there's still like four or five of these schools in existence today? There still are really? four or five schools where the children live at those schools. Really? Yeah. I, you know, supposedly they, you know, they aren't the same as the old ones, but. I don't know. Just just the idea that they, that any of them still exists is incredible. Um, I, I, I yeah. Where would they be? I I could I could look it up, but I, yeah, I okay I, yeah. Okay. I mean, but they're essentially specifically run by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, from from what I understand. The, see, the Bureau of Indian Affairs has the Bureau of Indian Education, um, so they're they're run by that subgroup of the of the agency, I guess. Um, so I mean, yeah. This is so this this was. This challenge to this is, in a way, could reverse, you know, some of what was accomplished. Again, I'm not a big fan of ICWA because of its shortcomings, but I will say that it did have it did have an effect. It did stop many of the the forced adoptions, you know, the, the abuses of foster care. Didn't eliminate it at all. Didn't eliminate all of them, um, and it did pave the way to closing many of the the residential schools. But um, but it still never did what it really should have done, which was put our children in our own control that that where we make the determination of whether a child to remove from a home and where they, that child to be placed let i mean why wouldn't we be the ones making that determination but we're still not it's still the states doing it and with with some federal guardrails put up and that's and that's the problem that i have with, with the law but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny the you know the you know the what it, what the law accomplished it did stop some of the uh, the atrocities that were being committed, but, mm. um, but you know, I, I, I got to throw all that out there. And especially since, you know, I, I, this is the first show that I'm doing this month. The only show that I'm doing this month to specifically address this special designation of native American heritage month. But, but I got to do it in a way that just, I mean, that has to point out the hypocrisy of it all. I mean, ironically, I mean, the ABC reporter who called us, uh, indigenous creatures, <laughs> Even the shows that that she was talking about, which is obviously Reservation Dogs, uh, Dark Winds, and for, I'm drawing a blank on the other one. Um, I mean, these these shows aren't even didn't even do any special premieres for this month. They already ran through the cycle before the month started. So, yeah, they I, did. Yeah, I, and and I'm not taking anything away from those shows. I I watched all of them. I, I enjoyed them. Um, Dark Winds was is uh, kind of an adapt, uh, adaptation of uh, one of the Tony Hillerman books. I used to. Read all, all those books back in the day. Um, um, and, of course, Reservation Dogs is a comedy, but it's, it is a comedy in the truest sense, native comedy, because our comedy is, you know, can sometimes be a little dark, um, but it's certainly witty, and, yeah, but uh, I, I appreciate this show. But, unfortunately, there was nothing to premiere in, by any of the streaming services during our, quote-unquote, special month. So, 
Um, so you know, so that's that's a little Damn, bit. Damn, not even Disney. <laughs> Don't even get me started with Disney. You know they would, <laughs> they would they, they would have wanted to put Pocahontas or you know one of these. Yeah, you know no, we. We, 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 can do, we can do away with Disney on this one here. But, uh, oh, man. But so anyway. I this guess the only thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I got, I got to tell you, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but apparently we're supposed to get swamped by a major snowstorm uh, coming in tonight, you know, between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I guess, the major snowstorm. Yeah. And you know how we know it's going to be bad? Jim Uh-oh. Cantori arrived in Buffalo, um, uh, I think yesterday morning or this morning. Uh, do you, know, you, know, you know who Jim Cantori is, right? Uh, remind me again, please. Come on. He's the guy who gets ripped around in the, by all the hurricanes. Uh, Weather Channel, you know, Jim Cantori. He's the guy who oh, gets, yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. you know if they're yeah. sending Jim Cantori yeah. to Buffalo that we're probably going to get four feet of snow in this area or something like that. And they'll, and they'll probably bury poor Jim Cantori up to his nose or something like that. And, but uh, yeah, you know when they send Jim Cantori out to your, your neck of the woods, you better hunker down. You know, so, <laughs> so we're going to see what happens here. You know, look, where I live on the Cattaraugus Territory of Sanka Nation is, um, is about 30 miles south of Buffalo. We usually get hit harder than Buffalo, but apparently every indication is that, uh, you know, that Buffalo is going to get hit by, you know, four to six feet of snow. So... Yeah, I'm looking at the weather right now. When you mention that, I'm like, oh wow, there, oh, it's it's gonna get hit hard. Yeah, so so I'm glad I'm I'm airing the show in New York on Thursday and, and recording it uh, for for Washington on Thursday because I don't know what Friday's gonna look like. I mean, they've already got all the schools closed. They actually announced Wednesday night that the schools will be closed on Friday. I mean, that, I mean. Yeah, a lot of times this kind of preparation usually means we're going to get six inches of snow. But I don't know about this one this time. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens here. We could this could be uh, you know one one for the ages, and and I guess we'll just you, stay tuned. I'll <laughs> I'll be posting uh, information on this one. You you can bet. But uh, yeah, so that's there's no better way to celebrate our special month, I guess, than than a you know a six foot snowstorm. Um, so we'll, just we'll, more the the gifts the 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 hits keep on coming I guess yeah uh, well I gotta tell you I I, I don't really begrudge snow however mm-hmm. I I got it hey what, what's the other thing happening this this month is uh was it cop twenty what is it what, what number up to cop twenty six twenty seven twenty seven okay yeah yeah so all of the rich people all over the world flew their their private jets to uh, Egypt did they go it's Egypt right yes they did yeah. yes they flew did their, flew their their uh, Made their huge carbon footprint to get to Egypt to talk about all the things that they're not getting done. Um, so uh, yeah, so I, I I do have my concerns about climate change, yeah, and and obviously severe weather, including things like a six foot snow uh, snowstorm, could uh, you know are connected to to a lot of this. But you know because of the worries about droughts and that kind of stuff, you know, look, getting a snowstorm in the beginning of the winter that you know lays down a, a solid snowpack. Oftentimes, you know, provides you know, moisture for um, you know for you know for a good you know good good six months when all is said and done. So we'll see what happens here. But uh, wish us luck up here in the in the snow belt. Um, yeah. But I think uh, you know I I guess I'm as prepared as I can be. Uh, but um, uh, so that's what we're expecting. But you know I I again I I did want to I I wanted to have at least one show this month that I could talk about. This notion of declaring a month. Of course, 
every month gets declared, you know, several uh, national month for something else. I think it's, isn't it national epilepsy month or something like that? Uh, um, I think, I think they've made it some other declaration. So it never gets exclusively, you know, pegged as, right. uh, you know, for, for one specific cause. Well, I, I guess what you, sh uh, if there is anything good out of it, um, you should, uh, thank your lucky stars that, uh, it's not like uh, what they call it, uh, uh, Latino Heritage Month, where it starts in the beginning, it starts in the middle of a month, and it ends at the middle of the month. So yeah, you get the whole month of November, and then they, and then they give black people the shortest month of the year, right? Oh, well, you know <laughs> well, that goes without saying. You know, it's like yeah, the, the darkest part of the year. You know, where you know folks of that type happens to be sun people it could have been in june but hey you know um you know no there's no I, better I way to celebrate black people than a snowy february ice yeah, cold february right yeah in the dark in the dark <laughs> oh man like i said you can't make this stuff up right <laughs> yeah so i mean so again here here we are and and look i'm still very much in the throes of you know i mentioned uh, manuka high school I'm still fighting my old high school that's that's probably on the brink. They're still digging in on on calling themselves Indians. And and again, these are all schools that are like 98% white. Um, mm. th there's actually one school in the southern tier of New York, uh, down near um, Hornell, New York. It's 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 you know just about Pennsylvania, um, and it's called the Canisteo Greenwood uh, School District. They are only one of two schools in the state that still call themselves the Redskins. Wow. And, you know, I was anticipating going to that school on Monday to, um, to attend their, their mascot committee meeting. Um, but the superintendent said, yeah, I kind of took the temperature of things and we might want to hold off on you coming. I don't know exactly what that means. You know, I can only imagine what that means. Um, but I, you know, I don't know how these, I just don't know how these schools don't get it. You know, after, you know, after so many you know, professional child development services and so many nations, native, native peoples have, have spoken on this issue. And especially the, the worst name possible is the one that is clearly designated even in the dictionary as a slur, which is obviously Redskins. Um, and, and yet you still have high schools. You still got high school, two, two in New York. And, and I think there's, you know, I, I think there's almost 100, between 80 and 100 schools across the, the country that still carry that name. And there's well over a thousand other schools that have some other variation of warrior, Indian, you know, brave, chief, whatever. And, uh, you know, and, and while we're making headway, and I know how this thing ends, this ends with these schools that, that do change it. Um, it's interesting to watch the schools that dig in. You know, there's a school in Pennsylvania, uh, Neshaminy High School in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, that my good friend Donna Fan Boyle's been fighting these guys. Mm -hmm. And they've spent, they have literally spent over a million dollars defending defending that name. I mean, schools are struggling for money most of the time. My old high school has spent close to $100,000 trying to defend it. And it's a, it's a small rural school. I mean, 40% of the people are living below the poverty line in, in, in my old high school, Cambridge, New York. And yet they're spending money, they're, they're paying lawyers to fight this stuff. And it only ends one way. But, but there you have it. I mean, and, and again, so when you see a school like Manuka and what they do to, to somehow educate, not eradicate, and you realize how insulting 
their, their feeble attempt at education is or raising awareness of Native American heritage, it just, it, it just kind of shows you the level of ignorance. And, and look, there, there are two types of ignorance. There's ignorance when you simply just don't know, but then there's willful ignorance where mm -hmm. you refuse to acknowledge that any other facts or opinions other than the ones that you support um, have a right to exist. And, and look, we, we've seen this in, I mean, in the United States. The United States is, is at a, you know, has reached a fever pitch with, with how factual, fractionalized and factionalized the, the country is. I mean, and even this issue, this, this mascot issue, becomes a right versus left. I mean, look, if, if you want to see where the, the pro mascots, um, you know, side lies in any given town, you can you can you can see it by the Trump flags. I mean, it's it, it is that black and white, you know, to them, that you know the the idea of changing a mascot because it's inappropriate, is you know critical race theory. It's um you know it's uh, replacement theory. It's uh, it's all of these things that 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 white people, white supremacists, not all white people, because look, right, we would not be having the success in this battle were it not for some really dedicated non-native people pushing this issue because you know us pushing it isn't going to get anything done honestly we, we've been fighting this 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 issue for over 50 years but until we could garner enough support from the non-native community and specifically the white community we would never we, we would never see this kind of I mean, look why did washington football team change its name fed uh federal express uh nike amazon mm -hmm. you know these are all white folks that own that run those companies they didn't change mm -hmm. it because, you know, because of Tara Hauska or, you know, or, you know, or, or any of us who have been, who've been, you know, been fighting this stuff. I mean, they, they changed it because, you know, because enough noise got made. But I'll tell you, the other reason they changed it is because of Black Lives Matter. You know, had there not been this, a bit of awakening, you know, to the amount of social injustice that exists in the United States with the murders of Breonna Taylor and, uh, Sandra Bland and uh, and and George Floyd, and George Floyd, yeah, and all all these guys. I mean, we would not have seen this reaction. So I I do um, give respect and credit to us riding the coattails of Black Lives Matter, because w without that movement, we wouldn't have seen the kind of social changes. We we saw Columbus statues coming down right alongside the the uh, Confederate yeah. statues. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, look, and I know sometimes there can be tensions and, and between oppressed peoples because that's what they do. They try to pit us against each other. And, mm -hmm. and I know some, you know, I know, I know Native people who, who, had, who have not been very supportive of Black Lives Matter, but I'll tell you, it ain't me. I'm, I'm, in fact, one of the things that we, we raised with um, the residential school issues and these, and these um, unmarked graves that have been, uh, you know, continue to be discovered, um, is the they started you know a movement called Every Child Matters, and I'm thinking, why did they choose that? I mean, because Every Child Matters is a little bit like saying All Lives Matter, you know, which mm -hmm. is kind of like the counter narrative to Black Lives Matter. I think we should have just said our our children matter, Native children matter. Um, so I was never I was I, look I I support the movement, but I was never crazy about the uh, you know, the wording of it, and uh, but uh, you know I I, I agree that. Um, Every child should matter, but one of the things, and I've pointed this out, Reggie. You know, I've talked to you about it. Um, 
you think about what what those residential schools represented. The first ones were, were the first residential schools that were funded by the federal government began getting funding in 1819 during what they called the in the Civilization Fund Act of 1819. And they funded schools that were already in existence. So so do the math. Those schools have existed since before 1890, and four or five of them still exist today. That's over 200 years. Mm. Slavery was mm. abolished during that time. Mm. In fact, legal mm. slavery didn't last as long as legal confinement of Native kids in, in these residential schools. And, I, and, and one of the things that, that I'm really pushing, and, and I've talked about it on the show a couple of times, and, and I make no apologies for, for this redundancy, but I don't think that people fully grasp the scale of that policy, the scope of that policy, where, where kids were taken from Native homes for, I mean, for two, over 200 years. I mean, there's not a whole lot of policies that, that can exist in, a, in an unchecked manner like this. And anybody, don't you dare compare the abuses that Native children experience at residential schools to the clergy sex abuse scandal, because those numbers don't even come close to matching up. Not only do the, the, do, does the clergy of sex abuse scandals pale by comparison, but the, uh, but the compensation that Native kids or, or Native people will, will, if they ever do get any reconciliation, It'll pair by comparison because little white boys getting raped by a, pr a priest, they're going to get millions of dollars. But you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that happen with native kids. And what? Because you know, the, again, the the sheer scope and magnitude of the number of people, children that were abused. Some of them murdered. Some of them died of neglect. Many of them sexually abused. Women who were sterilized, or young young women who were sterilized. You know, and I and I bring this up because when you think about the, the social movement of the United States, going from everything from, you know, abolition to women's suffrage to mm -hmm. civil rights, um, you know, even child, even child protection. I mean, Save the Children came into existence in, in 19, I think, 1919 or 1918. They weren't saving our children. So, I mean, the United Nations, UNESCO, all of these, these agencies, international, existed our children continue to be abused in these schools. Most of them, by and large, were shut down in the, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm. But not all of them. And foster right. care and, and adoption, we're still, we're still fighting to keep Native kids from being, you know, being taken away to, to be raised as white kids. We're still fighting it today in the Supreme Court, today. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of remarkable but, you know, for, for those of us who have been in the fight, I mean, I, look, again, I got to remind my own people the scale and scope of this. Because, I mean, as, and I'll, I'll admit, I was also somewhat, perhaps somewhat oblivious to the, the scale of it. I mean, but when I started really doing, looking at the years and the numbers and adding up how many schools year by year there was and, and what the total number of kids were, I'm thinking... This is incredible. How could this exist? Where was the rest of the world? I mean, where were the women's women who were fighting for women's suffrage looking at native? They weren't looking at native women. No. I mean, civil rights. Where was the civil rights of children in residential schools? The child labor laws that came through. 
these native kids, my, our native kids were, were being forced to, to work the fields. You know, uh, you know it, I mean, it's incredible I, when, you, when you put this stuff in, in that kind of perspective. Well, but, and to also follow up on what you're saying, John, is that, you know, I know we have had discussions like this off and on the air as well. It's about during that period of time, especially up until like the late 60s, 1960s, for a lot of the people in this country, people who were native, you know, was a past tense term, as you have mentioned. So how could they know if they don't think that these were people that were uh, a group of people that were days of yore? And it wasn't until the movements, uh, those type of movements like that, you know, a, uh, AIM, yep, yep, yep. you know, started to say, hey, self-determination, we exist. Hello. Yeah, yeah the vast majority of Americans didn't even know we, we were still here. I mean, and this is one of the things that we say. We, we still say that today. We're still here because there are a lot of people who don't know. I mean, and it's one of the reasons that, that again, I, I do give props to WBAI and WPFW for at least carving out a slot or two, you know, for, for a native voice. Because by and large, the, uh, you know, the, the majority of media does not give us this kind of space. I'm, I'm glad to see a couple of these streaming services, um, you know, pr provide the production um, opportunities for, for some of these native producers and native creators, not creatures, to, uh, to produce native content and content that... <laughs> I mean, creatures, creatures my yeah. God. But I mean, I'm, God. because it, it's the only way, it, it, unless you have native people involved in, especially when you're talking about art, you know, or theater or film or television, if we're not involved in the process, then we continue to misrepresent. And so the vast majority of Americans who see a native person on a TV screen or a movie screen, they're just not going to get it. They're, they're right. just not going to understand, I mean, um, you know, who Native people are. And, and, and in many ways, and that's why I like Reservation Dogs and even, even Dark Winds because it's, it's not, not set in that long ago in the distant past. Um, the fact that we're still here. You know, I, right. I, you know look, if you see a, a Native person in a, in a role on television or in a film, unless you do some kind of, you know, hokey you know, way of representing him as native. You don't even know he's native. God, well, could be could be Mexican, could be Latinx, right, could right, be right. you know something else. Could, you know, look, they they had they had you know white guys playing us as as native people in Hollywood for well, for decades. I mean, yeah, Charles Bronson. I mean, uh, uh, what's who's the guy who was the head of the NRA there for a while there? What's his uh, oh, Charles oh, Heston? Charlton Heston, Heston. Burt Lancaster. <laughs> Um, you know, and, uh, Iron Eyes Cody, another guy, Italian guy who you know, played. Yeah. Uh, so, mm, mm. yeah. So, I mean, to, to just see us on the screen, you know, oftentimes it's really difficult to um, make our identity, our, our, our legitimate identity come through on, you know, on, uh, even on, you know, on television or, or in theater or in film. So, so it's difficult. And, and of course, this idea that we're going to, you know, get a, a non-voting seat in Congress, you know, or not we, let me take it back, that the Cherokee will get a non-voting, because it was promised to them as they were being screwed out of their lands. Um, I, I find that whole thing problematic. Um, 
I mean, w- w- what is the purpose of that? Okay, you're going to be there. You'll be able to say these things, but it's not you, like... You can't vote, and you right. can't be really involved in the legislative process, although I think if they were... And, and the entire Congress has to vote for this, uh, apparently. Right. So it's not going to happen. I think they can sit on some committees or something like that, and they can and they can give speeches on the floor. But, you know, I, I, I'm, the Cherokee aren't, aren't every native. You know, so, right. I mean, it, it, to me, it's like anybody saying, well, Deb Haaland is, you know, sitting as, as the Secretary of the Interior, and she represents all Natives. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She, rep- she represents Joe Biden. That's, you know, that's who put her in that position. We didn't. Native people had no role in Deb Haaland being named as the uh, Interior Secretary. And the vast majority of Native people will have no role in selecting, you know, which Cherokee gets to sit in one of these seats if, if, if it were ever, ever to come to pass, which, frankly, I don't believe it will. I mean, that, it doesn't matter how much language is in a treaty. Right. I mean, most people don't realize this, but the Cherokee, when they were forced on this Trail of Tears, they would also never, it would take years before the compensation that they were promised for making the move would even come their way. In the meantime, people died not, they didn't just uh, starve on the way there. I mean, it's, it's amazing the level of atrocities. I mean, when, when you consider what, what happened to Native people, and, and Michael G., when he had me on his show yesterday, he, he, you know, he played an excerpt of a, of a professor talking about this forced relocation, this, you know, this, this idea of removing people. You know, because, you know, look, at, it is actually part of the modern era of... Uh, of, because, of you know forcing people into a refugee status, mm-hmm. uh, you know most people and and the rest of the world and, and this professor talked about how the rest of the world was citing what the United States did to Native people as an example or justification for what they were doing, whether it was in yep. Russia or you know or yep. you know Armenian Armenia wherever I mean Turkey Turkey all these places they they cited Israel. what the United States did. So I mean this is kind of where I come back to this this. Um, euphemism for white supremacy, which is American exceptionalism. Yeah, United States, you guys did some remarkable things. They just didn't, weren't very nice. In fact, John, they, they, get it right now. They're <laughs> exceptional things. Yeah, yeah, they were exceptional. <laughs> I mean, what you did to, 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 to take 97% of our lands to eliminate our population to the tune of 90, between 95 and 98% of our population that's that's exceptional. That is very exceptional. Yeah. And, and, and just like uh, their ongoing track record of keeping holding up the treaties that they happened to uphold and, you know, hold near and dear to them because they always come through. They always make yeah, sure that they Yeah, there's not a treaty that hasn't been promise. broken that the United States ever entered. And most of them were illegitimate in the first place. They weren't properly ratified either by the United States or by, you know— Look, you, you, you get an X on a piece of paper, and that's enough to say that it's true. I mean, for, for the most part, through most of, of, of American history, the United States was, was the one to determine who the legitimate Native leadership was. Oh, what a coincidence that they could get the, the Cherokees to sign a treaty. They didn't get John Ross, the legitimate leader of the Cherokees. They got John Ridge and, John, and, uh, um, and Major Ridge to sign these treaties. So they find the sellouts. They find the people within... An organization, or they misrepresent to the people who will put an X on a page. Because look, they weren't—they weren't grabbing our signatures. They weren't. There was nothing legitimate about the documentation. 
And there was certainly nothing legitimate about the ratification side, uh, side of, on the United States. R rarely were treaties um, approved by two-thirds of the Senate and signed into law by the President of the United States. Rarely were any of them done that way, which, which that is what the rules are in the United States for, for treaty making. And, and that also includes what, they, what the United States did to Hawaii and the Hawaiian people and the Hawaiian kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, this is just, it's just incredible. And, and, you know, and shame on the rest of the world for just sitting back. You know, I understand that the rest of the world sits back because the United States is one of the, you know, the superpowers. But even before they were that, the rest of the world sat back while the United States was having its way. Why? Because of money and greed. And mm. the money and greed the rest of the world was, was, was getting out of, the, out of the deal. So, so this, is, this is what it is. That's the, this is the way it kind of plays out. It's just, it's pretty remarkable. So I guess the long and the short of it is, um, I guess I have to wish everybody a happy National Native American Heritage Month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for what it is. Well, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I do have a great show. Um, the first show in December that I'm going to do, I've got, I've got a guest that's, uh, that's joining me. She, she's written this book called Native Agency. Her name is Valerie Ooh. Lambert. And she's, she's talking about the transition for the BIA to become almost wholly um, staffed by Native people. That transition to go from being non-Native run to Native run. Of course, you know, as for, for much of what I've said over the years, I'm not a big fan of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Native or not Native, mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of it. But I look forward to, to, to having Valerie join me for that program to talk about her book um, and, and her acknowledgments. Because, I mean, she, she, she certainly does acknowledge a lot of the shortcomings. Um, I'm not sure she acknowledges as many of them as I do, but uh, she certainly does <laughs> acknowledge them. So, so uh, look forward to that as my, my first show in December. I look forward to it. Nice. Okay. All right, All right Reg. Well, that wraps it up. Hey, I want to thank you for, uh, for sitting in with me and uh, partaking in the conversation. Anytime, um, man. Anytime, um, of course. Look, if you want to learn more about Native stuff, you know, uh, there's a guy on the radio uh, every Thursday in New York and every Friday in, in, in Washington. You're looking for my podcast which is Resistance Radio with John Kane, or my uh, other podcast, which is Let's Talk Native with John Kane, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Yahweh. <laughs>